It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another exciting edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I am Jonathan Mayo alongside my partner in crime, Jim Callis. A lot to talk about, as always. Draft season wears on. And that means, of course, more mocks. Jim and I are taking turns doing these every week, so we'll have a lot to talk about in terms of how the first round is shaping up. We'll take a look at five college lefties to keep an eye on in a year that's kind of light in that regard. We're also going to, of course, turn our attention to the minor league season, the Wander Watch. When is Wander Franco going to get called up? And what's gotten into Taylor Trammell and some other hot prospects in minor league baseball? We've got a new member of the top 100. And of course, as always, we will end with a question from you. Good stuff, as always, to talk about. James, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It, it's my week on the mock, as you mentioned. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Like every week now, from here on out, when we're doing the podcast, one of us will be coming fresh off having projected the first round, and one of us will be in the middle of, of doing so again. But that's good. It, it's I, I will say, as I work on this mock, I keep typing this phrase, I'm not enjoying the July draft as of right now. It, it just, more so from the standpoint, it's just weird getting used to. Like, you know, we're about to begin conference tournament play, which in the past has meant like, okay, it's your last real big look at guys. And then you set your draft boards and figure out signability and the drafts like 10 days away. And we're six and a half weeks away from the draft. So that, that, that part I, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting used to still. It is strange. And I think it's going to be, it's strange now for that reason too. I think also in our head, we're like, all right, we're gearing up for the marathon. That is the draft and we're getting ready. And <laughs> I could feel like that muscle memory. And then, then we're going to have all this other time to wait. And I think it's going to be really strange when there's all, virtually no baseball going on and we're still reporting on things and writing mocks. You know, we've mentioned this before. You know, I think the, the College World Series is going to be uh, scouted more heavily than it has been in, in the past. Players can go to summer leagues ahead of the draft, you know, which I think is a, a rare occurrence. It's, it's happened you know, you know, where a guy gets signed off of a summer league or a team USA kind of kind of thing. But it, it's very, very rare. Uh, so I think that it, that's going to be an added wrinkle when we're kind of sitting around and later in June, you know, <laughs> and we still have some time before the for the draft. You mentioned the conference tournaments. Those are always heavily attended. You mentioned, as, as you said, Jim, that's often like the last look. And it's a great place for kind of one stop shopping for scouting directors. Uh, so, I, you know, you, you'll have people scattered throughout a variety of them. Uh, you know, I'm sure the SEC tournament is going to be very heavily attended. Vanderbilt, of course, uh, one of the main attractions. Um, it's an interesting thing. That's, you know, I don't want to dive too deep into the college baseball season, but the best team in the country is Arkansas, but they don't have any like high level draft guys, which is kind of strange. So from a scouting standpoint, you know, I think more teams are going to be watching uh, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker at Vanderbilt and Tommy Mace and Judd Fabian at, at Florida. 
you know, will get more attention than a team like Arkansas, which is arguably the team to beat. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, the Razorbacks, I don't have the exact number of weeks, but they've been number one for, it seems like, the whole spring and, and for several weeks in a row. And you're right. It, they're not a, you know, it's not a team. Like like last year, you had Aston Kerstad, you know, who went number two in the draft. And you had Casey Martin, who came into the year is a, you know, guess some people thought he was going to go ahead of Kerstad. And that's, you know, they, you, you don't have guys like that. The, the best player on their team, and I actually think he's a little underrated in the draft, is Christian Franklin in terms of this year's draft. He's probably going to go in the second round. There aren't a lot of college bats. He's got tools. He's, he's you know, having a better year at the plate. Could be a 2020 center fielder potentially. But it's just a team with a lot of, honestly, I don't want to say good college players because that sounds like I'm, you know, saying like they aren't prospects. But, you know, Patrick Wicklander is, is a good lefty who, you know, probably is going around, you know, four to seventh round. And Jalen Battles is a – Good defender, hasn't had a great year at the plate at shortstop. He's probably fourth to seventh. Casey Opitz, same thing. One of the best defensive catchers, but not much, you know, hitter, you know, fourth to seventh. You know, some guys like Brady Slavens, who's a, a Juco transfer. Um, they've got a reliever. Uh, you, know, you don't do Arkansas, so you probably haven't dug in on this guy. They have a kid named Kevin Copps, who had an 8.18 ERA last year as a, as a I believe, a redshirt junior. Um, so he's a fifth year senior. And this year, Jonathan, he's got he's given up five runs in 60 innings, 97 strikeouts, 10 and 0 with eight saves. Um, he's a reliever and he throws a ton of sliders. And again, I think he's going to be one of those good discount guys in the first 10 rounds. But they don't you're not looking and saying, oh, I mean, for this team that's that's, you know, had the best record in the SEC, 22 and eight, which is hard to pull off, 42 and 10 overall. They are not loaded. You know, they're not going to have three first round picks uh, come July. Right. And, and I think it is important to note, you know, we spent so much time talking about the guys at the top, you know, or, or the first rounders. You know, if, if you're a scouting director and you're sitting at the SEC tournament for three, four days uh, or two at one, two at day, whatever, you know, have, whatever they do it or, or any scout, this is an opportunity to see everybody. You know, the scouting directors don't see everybody that they, they draft. There just isn't the, the time for that. But, you know, this could give them a frame of reference when an area scout starts pounding the table about, you know, that reliever from Arkansas. And if the scouting director saw him pitch well over the course of, of the SEC tournament, that's obviously going to, to, to help the case. So it's not just about Lighter and Rocker and Fabian and Mason, those guys who are going to go, you know, who are her definite uh, first rounds, you know, the, the Henry Davises of the world, you know, um, as, as we, you know, moving around to different tournaments. Uh, those are obviously important and you want to see how those guys perform, uh, you know, against really good competition with the, you know, proverbial lights on, there's a lot more pressure, things, things of that nature. It, it matters, you know, how they do. We've done a lighter and rocker update every week. I don't know that we need to do, uh, another like full on update. You know, I don't know if there's a, a, a brief sort of Twitter report you want to give uh, on each from last week? They both won against Kentucky. I, I think it was, you know, solid outings. You know, we talked last week about how Kumar didn't miss a lot of bats with his fastball. He did this week. His velocity was up again. He averaged 94 with the fastball. You know, interesting is, you know, we, we both sit here and pour over synergy. You know, Jack Leiter only had one swing and miss with his fastball, which is 
really interesting to me because in general, people talk about how you just can't hit his fastball, but there are 20 swings, one miss, but he had a good game. The, the break stuff was really working well for him. I, I, I think, was it their best outing? No, but it was, you know, if you're scouting these guys at the top of the draft, for the most part, you saw what you wanted to see from these guys this week. So I, I don't think it was. It didn't it, move it the, the needle, needle in either direction. In either, you took the words exactly what I was going to say. Yes, I, I think it was just kind of they, they both held serve this week. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Uh, the college, set, you know, a lot of the high school players have, uh, have wound down. You know, the college that nobody really uh, jumped off the page, you know, in terms of making a huge leap or, or really hurting themselves. I know that, you know, Judd Fabian had a rough week against Arkansas last weekend uh, with a lot of strikeouts, which has been the concern. Uh, so I think, you know, how he performs in the SEC tournament and in, in postseason play. Uh, for the Gators is, is going to matter uh, for him. Uh, but other than that, you know, I think we're getting into this sort of crunch time now where it feels like it got here in a hurry also. And maybe it's just because we we were used to not having any baseball and then, it you know, we got through an entire regular season. Uh, it, it felt in my brain that that it happened kind of kind of quickly. So, you know, we'll have a lot of attention on those conference tournaments. I think you know, as you pointed out to me off the air, a post-conference tournament, you know, I get to do the mock next week. It's going to be, you know, there'll be a lot of information, I think, uh, in terms of how guys did. And then you'll also get the good share of, well, this guy was really good. And I know that this team's general manager was at that game, you know, came in for that, for that conference tournament uh, or even the scouting director. So I'm really good. And that will, uh, you know, that certainly doesn't cement anything in stone, especially in this year, but it, it, it adds, I think, more good mock draft fodder, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think you'll have a lot to uh, lot to uh, discuss and write about, you know, and again, you know, just it's interesting because the SEC has all these play in games. They have 12 teams make the tournament, but four get eliminated today. You know, Judd Fabian, who had really righted the ship in terms of striking out and then went one for 11 with nine strikeouts this weekend. If Florida somehow loses to Kentucky today, they're done. Like, I mean, you know, for this weekend at least. So you like, you might only get one look at him. You know, you, you got a couple of middle infielders at Alabama and Auburn, and, and Peyton Wilson and Ryan Bliss, who I don't think they're really going in the first round. Like, we still have trouble coming up, Jonathan, with 29 first round picks, and, and so you hear all kinds of names. So this guy could go in the first, and I've heard both those guys mention is, hey, don't be surprised; these guys could sneak in, and they're probably more second rounders. But again, they get one game. You know, if they lose they get one game each and they're out. So it's like, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, which of these guys gets a chance to, to maybe go on a little deeper run. If you win today, then you get to play three games um, minimum. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how all that stuff plays out. I'm just chuckling because before we started, you said that you were not informed to do an SEC tournament preview and you just did an SEC tournament preview. I know. Um, I, well, you know, I got to keep an eye on my, my Georgia Bulldogs are in a playoff game playing games. So. Right. Oh, no, very, very important. Before we take a break, you know, we mentioned that the high school seasons are, are, are wearing down. What do you think is happening with, you know, the top high school players who who are done playing? Like what's going to happen between now and and the draft? You know, I'm assuming you know, the some are still playing, but like you said, a lot, a lot are done. I'm going to guess there's going to be a lot of private workouts for teams between now and the draft in July. Uh, but other than that, you know, will, will they go out and find 
travel ball teams to play with. So they they still be seen, they're still seen, or is that, you know, where's the risk and reward for, for a player in terms of like how much they go out and play this summer? I, I think it depends on what you've accomplished to this point. Like I, like for instance, you know, I, I do Georgia and Brady house and Bubba Chandler and Harry Ford, they're all done with their season. Like, like they've been knocked all, all their teams have been knocked out of the playoffs for a week or two and they're all going in the first round. So I, I would think for guys like that, you would go do workouts for teams that might be interested in drafting you. Like I, I'm just picking Brady House at random. You know, Brady House can go at the top of the draft. You know, I'm sure if the Pirates want to bring in Brady House or the Rangers want to bring in Brady House or whoever for a workout, Brady's going to do that. You know, is he going to go work out for the Yankees who pick 20th? Probably not. Um, I, I wonder if some of these guys who have more mass appeal in terms of everybody has a chance to draft you like like let's say you're a second round pick so theoretically you're in play for everybody like I, you know instead of bouncing around and doing 15 workouts maybe guys hold a workout you know and say hey i you know th- this guy's gonna take bp or throw a bullpen whatever on this day at this field and invite everybody i, I do know up here jonathan you know illinois started their high school season really late it's not a great year illinois high school wise but one of the best probably the best prospect, and I don't know if he's thrown enough to get drafted because he's only pitched twice, is a, is a kid named Ben Hess, and he's going to go play with a, a travel team in Atlanta, and, and guys are going to get a look at him. So I, I do think you will see some travel team guys, but I think those may be the guys who have more to prove. Again, if I, I just think if you've already established that you're going really high and you're getting paid, it's, it's only downside to me. Like, if I, like, let's say I'm a pitcher you know, who's, I'm going to be somebody's second pick and I'm going to get a seven figure bonus. Well, I, I don't necessarily want to go out. Like what if I go out and don't look good or my velocity is down four miles an hour, you know, then I can, I can squash that. So I think the guys who have acquitted themselves well this spring will, I kind of let it ride. Right. Except for, as you said, maybe like a, a couple of handpicked workouts or private workouts. Yeah, no, I think you'll still see the, the workouts. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, for the, for that next tier player that, you know, there are options, you know, they're, uh, I know there are PDP uh, events already going on, um, and I'm thinking right now there's a a pitcher in Canada who uh, in Western Canada who's barely been been seen, and it's not so easy to get from Canada to the states and back now. So he's participating in some of those things so he can get seen. And there is, you know, there's going to be the draft combine, and then there's the the draft league, which we haven't talked much about uh, for the next tier of players that you know will you know give them a chance to go out and 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 show scouts what they can do and even if scouts aren't flocking to those games and we'll see what happens with those uh, there will be data and there will be video of of all that again on on the aforementioned synergy which uh, which we love so much so plenty of opportunities to still see a lot of players not just for the guys in the first round which we're focusing on for the most part right now but well beyond you know for 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 20 rounds of of the draft all right we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to play a a mock-related draft game right here on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, 
all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com MLB. GetRoman.com MLB. All right, we're back. MLB Pipeline Podcast, Jonathan Mayo, along with Jim Kaus. We're going to play a little game, and and Jim has has been very uh, very good about this, steadfast, and not peeking at these questions. And and here here's how it works. We, we're both working on mocks. We talk to a lot of the same people. We get a lot of the same information, but it can vary from week to week. So last week, after my mock came out with the you know the sort of the shocking news that neither Jack Leiter nor Kumar Rocker were among the top four picks, I quote tweeted it and said, who is the guy you wanted to see with your team but didn't? And who do you want to see in the first round who didn't make the cut this time? So I know Jim is currently feverishly texting scouts and agents and trying to get a sense for for his mock this this week. And so I uh, put together all their responses. And Jim, we're going to go one by one and you're going to Give a sense, understanding that as we're recording, you have not completed your mock, but give a sense as to whether or not you're going to make these people happy or you're going to disappoint them. And Are I, you I ready? I try to do so in a, for me, terse fashion, because if you're asking me nine or 10 questions, you know that could be like an hour's worth of responses. So I will try to be succinct. Yes. Well, even, even if people who were listening to this, when I said earlier to give a, a Twitter report, you went far past the, the character limit. So they understand that that terse for Jim Callis is not terse for everyone else. And that's that's OK. You I'm screenshotting you. my long response and then posting the image on Twitter. That, that was the Twitter report I was giving you there. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Here we go. Uh, this one comes from Mike Jelly at the kid underscore. Anyway, one of the vol baseball infielders and I, I think that's what the tennessee yes uh, tennessee yeah, the handle infielders sneak into the bottom of the first round max ferguson or liam spence no chance i, I did think you know, max ferguson we had ranked pretty high coming into the preseason i thought he had a chance to hit his way into the first round because he could, he could really hit he's a plus runner plus defender at second versatile but he's just had a rough year he's playing a little better recently but he's still hitting 225 in SEC play. He's guys, guys don't know what to do with him. You know, he, I think he goes third to fifth. Spence is interesting. He's hitting 380, but it, it's, it's it's hit with extreme hit over power on base. You know, he's hitting 384. Last time I looked, you know, he's he's slugging about. He's down to 351 actually. He's got a little bit of a tailspin, but he's slugging 459. He can play shortstop. You know, makes routine plays there. But if he's old, I, I think he's gonna be one of those discount guys you know, who goes in the first 10 rounds, but, but neither one of those guys is going to come close to the first round. So I'm, I'm disappointing right off the bat. That's fine. So you could have just said no chance and we could have, we could have been I know. on question I gotta, five. I got to explain now. a little. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, next one up from Robert William Nason at real Robert Nason. I will be very disappointed if both rocker and lighter are available at four and the Red Sox pass on both. 
I mean, I think you could fill in, you know, Pirates, Rangers, Tigers, sure. Orioles, Diamondbacks. We'll probably the hear that from about the Red fans. Sox, man. Uh, but but any of those teams, yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, if I had to guess today, I don't think Lighter makes it to four. Um, I do think there's a chance you could go shortstop, 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 one, two, three. But I don't think Lighter gets to four. I do think Rocker's going to be there at four. And it, it's as we talked about, Jonathan, it, it's so early. You don't have a feel yet for like which teams are really on or off guys or less on guys. So I don't know one way or another. Oh, the Red Sox would take him. Oh, the Red Sox wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they. I guess in my mock, I probably will. Not, I will probably have the Red Sox passing on four uh, on Rocker at four, which you did too, right? You you had you had them passing on on both. You so you disappointed Robert. I did. Well, that's why. That's what yes. that was his reaction was to, to, to my mock, you. and so you may continue to be disappointed, but it may not matter. Uh, you know, come draft time. Okay, the next one comes from. Birds on the bat leth. It's B O T B underscore leth. I'm digging the hashtag STL fly recent drafts, focusing on high upside prep players. I'd like the trend to continue with Harry Ford. Yeah, I could see them taking a prep player. I haven't plotted out my mock to 18 yet. I probably will give them a prep player of some sort. Sure. I don't think Harry Ford gets to them, Jonathan. Um, I don't. You had him going 21, I think, to the Cubs in your draft in your last projection. I, I keep getting buzzed, not so much with teams, but with the range that he's going to go six to 15. And and I do know, like, I can come up with like 12 or 13 guys who I think are going to go in the first 15 picks, and then I think it's wide open. So I'm gonna, if I have to guess today. Not saying like Ford maybe <laughs> when I plot him out because I had him going 23rd. But my gut feel says Harry Ford, this intriguing athletic catcher who can play a bunch of positions, does not make it to 18 on July 11th. I'm going to skip ahead to another one because there's another Harry Ford related one. Oh, wow. From at Please Talk to Me One. Can you just will Harry Ford to the Cubs in real life? I like that fit too much for it not to happen. And I think you sort of answered that already. Uh, as of right now, you don't think he gets there. Yeah, that, yeah. that was your pick in the mock. I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, as you know, Jonathan, when you're doing mocks, especially this early, you, you get, I don't even know if it's Intel at this point. I don't know if it's concrete enough to be Intel. But like, oh, like a lot of talk, Harry Ford's going to 615, but you don't hear a team. And then, then when you wind up doing the mock, you wind up putting him a little bit lower. But I, I my, my good feel says he, he doesn't make it to 18 or 21. So the, the Cubs aren't going to get him. But but the the please talk to me can rejoice in that I don't think the Cardinals will get him either. There you go, and not because either we're going to pass them of it. You know, it seems that he may be he may be gone, and maybe Joe Mack, another high school catcher to consider. Um, all right, next one from Joel Perez at Joel Robert Perez, Andrew Painter for at White Sox hashtag change the game. I feel like that one is is is, is kind of riffing off the fact that they've invested heavily in high school pitchers in the last couple drafts in Jared Kelly, Matthew Thompson, and Andrew Dahlquist. But not Although, in the first round. I know, and I was going to say, like, that has not been their playbook. Like, their playbook has been more to get a guy like Andrew Painter who falls or to help him fall and then pay him over slot in the second round. So I'm going to say... No, like again, as <laughs> you can back up, like at this point when you're doing a mock seven weeks out, like do I have any clue who's really going 22? No, I do not. But I don't think I'll be putting Andrew Painter to the White Sox or any of the high school pitchers. Right. And I think that caveat kind of goes without saying, like, I don't think you have to keep repeating that for every for every question. Okay. Just saying. All right. 
let's move on. And, you know, the, the one difference, I think, for the White Sox, you know, in turn, and I'm not saying that that means they would take Andrew Painter. They are picking lower down than they have. You know, so we'll sort of wait and see, you know, uh, how that how that pans out. All right. Next one comes from Marvin Fine. Do you agree that the Pirates will pass on the Vandy duo for a high school shortstop? Yes, obviously I do. I had Marcelo Meyer there uh, for for this go round. I don't think it's again, it's not a slam dunk. But as of right now, if I had to decide right now, I would put one of the high school shortstops in that top spot. You? And again, it's 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 early, so I will repeat that. Nobody knows anything concrete, but but the feeling of the teams picking at the top of the draft is that the Pirates prefer a position player. I I, I would say, again, just this is more reading tea leaves and anything written in stone. I almost would see the Pirates taking Henry Davis, the Louisville catcher, over one of the Vanderbilt pitchers at this point. And I do think if they take a Vanderbilt pitcher, I think it would be lighter. I would be surprised if they took Rocker at one one. Like like again, nothing's locked in stone, but like that that would really surprise me. That I, I just I don't see them taking Rocker at one one. I think I agree with you. I think uh if I were to handicap it, I'd put the two high school shortstops and then in some combination, depending on my mood, Davis and and Lighter. And I think those are the four. And, you know, and the great thing about being a pitcher is, like, if lighter pitches great the SEC tournament, then you move him up a little bit in your mind. And if he has a mediocre outing, then you move him down. Like, and, and he'll have – I mean, lighter theoretically could have five more starts between now – maybe six, depending on how it shakes out at the World Series if they go deep in, in Omaha. But, I mean, he could have five or six more starts before the draft. Right. Okay. I'm not I'm not even really sure what this person is saying, but I'm throwing it in there. This is uh, Richie at Richie in the two, three, one. I'm still a Jaden Hill truther as a Tigers fan. Second round question mark. Well, you know, the thing is, the Tigers also have that sandwich pick, too. So they uh, sandwich pick, right? I wasn't looking at the draft yeah. order. I, I have it just because I have it on my sheet of mock picks so that if somebody tells me, oh, the Brewers are looking at so and so, I can remember, well, they pick 33, so maybe it's more 33 than 15. Um, yeah, I, I think he's possible. I, I do think Jane Hill is going to go in that 20 to 40 range, and the Tigers pick at 32, and they pick at 37. And they have a large bonus pool, although I don't know that Jaden Hill has a lot of leverage as a guy who, you know, having Tommy John surgery, I don't know when he'd be ready to pitch again next spring at, at LSU really before next year's draft. So, you know, Detroit likes power arms. You know, that could be, you know, depending on how the board shakes out, that could be a really nice get. Like, And I, and I think he, he kind of fits in that range, you know, very well, you know, possibly 32 and 37. And if I'm advising Jaden Hill, I'd like him to go to the Tigers because they have one of the biggest bonus pools available too. So they, they could pay my guy. The Jaden Hill truther may get Jaden Hill. I, I'm not going to project pick 32 or 37, but that's that's very realistic for, for Richie in the 2-3-1. All right. Moving on. We've got two more. We've got Scrax hashtag the Elijah Green dream. Wow. Talk about projecting ahead. I really like Ty Madden as a quote, course fit, unquote. Likelihood of Ty Madden Going to the Colorado Rockies. Um, I will. I will give that a possible. You yeah. know, I mean, he, he does. You know, he has multiple pitches. He commands them pretty well. He can keep the ball down the strike zone. So he'd have the ingredients. I mean, if there are ingredients to where you can succeed, you know, as a pitcher in Coors Field, yeah, I, I think that's possible. I, you know, Jonathan, we talked about this. I, I think you've got. You know, we talked about. You know, Meyer and and Lawler. And Brady House, and we'll throw Cleo Watson in there, the four high school shortstops, the two Vandy pitchers, Henry Davis. To me, 
that seems like that's kind of solidifying, at least as of now. Jackson Job, he's a high school righty, so he might go down. As those are your top guys to me in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think after that, it's wide open. Whether it it's depends Madden on what you want and who you like. Wicks or you want high school bats or, or you know, whatever, it's wide open. And, and like the Royals at seven, Rockies are eight, or where the mock drafts seem to like go from like, okay, well, I'm going to give one of the top players to this team because he's the last one left to I really don't know what they're going to do. So I don't know what the Rockies are going to do at eight. Um, but um, I think he's possible. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question now. Playing off Scrax hashtag the Elijah Green dream. If Elijah Green, who, who's this this wonderful outfielder for the next year's draft, was available in this year's draft, Jonathan, because there was talk at one point that he might reclassify. Where do you, where would you take him? Where would you rank him on our 2021 list if Elijah Green were available? I, you know. I don't feel like I know enough about Elijah Green other than that he's really good to say, but I would say top five. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it and I, you know, that's, I realized as I was asking that it was unfair because it's not like we've really broken him down. No, I like people always ask questions like that. I'm, I, I was like, you know what? It's hard enough keeping track of all the players for this year's draft. I can't think about next year. But I, I will say this I mean, because there was a lot of talk. I know when I was doing the Area Code Games recap last year, people were wondering if he was going to reclassify and kind of hoping he was. I'm not saying this is a definite, but you know the other thing to remember too: if he was in this year's draft, he'd be young for the draft too. He'd be be less than 18, which which people would love. It, it wouldn't be out of the question that Elijah Green could go one-one in this year's draft. So, right, you know, so if if Scrax wants Elijah Green next year, you know, Rockies are going to have to to lose a bunch of games. There you go. All right, at scientist underscore ko. This is our last one. I really hope the Diamondbacks can get Henry Davis posted with a smiling face with tear emoji. Uh, mixed emotions. I wasn't exactly sure what that emoji meant, but I wanted to include it to get the full picture. I think the smiling face will go away. I don't see Henry Davis making it to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I wonder if that's like Amiel Sadai's burner account. You know, the, the Diamondbacks <laughs> GM. Because I think you've heard the same thing, Jonathan. Probably that th- there's a lot of feeling that you know that the the, the Diamondbacks are they're interested in a lot of high school shortstops, but Amiel, who was a very good scouting director when he was with the Red Sox, would prefer a, a college bat there, and the best college bat is is Henry Davis. <sighs> yeah, it's it you know it's interesting because I think the top six is somewhat fluid. Like, so the Diamondbacks pick six. The guys I would say have no shot of getting there. I don't think Marcelo Meyer can get to them because I, I I don't think he gets past the Tigers if he's there at three. I don't I don't really think Jack Leiter can get to the to the Diamondbacks at all. That said, I I think there's various scenarios where other guys could get. Now Henry Davis might be the third least likely for me, Jonathan, if that makes sense. Um, right. So I, I think they probably don't. But I know, like I could see. If, if you know, like, let's say the couple of the high school shortstops and lighter go in the first three picks and then, uh, you know, Robert Nason gets his dream and Rocker goes forward to Boston and then the Orioles take house, then then Davis could get there. But I I think if you were lining up the guys who we think are the top six or seven picks, he would be the third least likely to get there. So so probably not. But we, we need to check and see if that's Amiel's burner account. If he is at scientist underscore co. We will go digging. Uh, We'll start looking at some IP addresses and and things of that nature during this break. When we come back, we'll talk lefties in the draft, a new member of the top 100, and of course, your questions in our mailbag next on the MLB Pipeline podcast.
This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jonathan Mayo along with Jim Callis. We're rolling along here. Still talking a little bit of draft before we turn our attention over to some minor league ball. Now become a a regular segment. It's a five guys who, in this case, it's five top college lefties. We know that Jordan Wicks, who has been mentioned already, is probably the only college lefty who seems to be a certain first rounder. We're looking at five guys who will be after him. So, Jim, we'll just go back and forth. Um, okay. you, you'll double up at the end based on, you know, for people who are new to how we do things, we split up the country. Um, so I've got two and, and he's got three. And these are order of how they are ranked currently. And it starts with Matt Mikulski, the lefty at Fordham. Draft fans may remember his name from last year. They have to be a hardcore draft fan. It's kind of just snuck him into the back end of the top 200 last year. It was the guy with some arm strength, but a ton of effort in his delivery, some command problems. Very much looked like a future reliever. He wasn't drafted. He went back to Fordham. That's going to work out really, really well for him. He is now the second best college lefty in the class at number 43 on our current top 200. He's really streamlined. His delivery is much more efficient. He's throwing a lot more strikes. He's 9-0 with a 145 ERA, a 127 batting average against, and a 124 to 27 strikeout to walk ratio in 68 and a third innings. Now he's he's always missed bats. It's that the the lowering of the walks has been huge. And now, yeah, at the very least, you send him out with a chance to start and see what happens. There's still some effort in the delivery, so maybe he still could end up in the bullpen. That's why he's not, I don't think, a surefire first rounder, but he has greatly improved his stock by returning to the Rams. And what's interesting, the thing that seems kind of interesting about him, Jonathan, is his season's over. Fordham didn't qualify for the Atlantic 10 tournament, which is a four-team tournament, I believe. Um, So he's done. Like, his season's over. Right. He is going to, barring Nicholas Sinicola at Maine, stepping it up a little bit, Mikulski will lead the nation with 16.3 strikeouts per nine innings. So anyway, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does between now and the draft because, I mean, he, he has, you know, basically seven weeks. And like we said before, he's been so good. I, I'm sure he might throw a bullpen for some teams that are interested in him. But, you know, he's going to let it ride. You know, the, the, I mean, he's had such a good season. He can let it ride. And, Absolutely. you know, by, by contrast – 
my guy, Doug Nikhazy, next guy on this list, number 67 on the top 200, you know, he could have a ways to go, you know, as part of a Mississippi team that, that's hoping to make a run to the College World Series. He's taken over as a team's ace now that Gunnar Hogland, who, who was going to be a first-round pick, has had Tommy John surgery. Uh, Nikhazy just struck out career-high 13 last week, double-digit whiffs in four of his last six outings, um, having a really nice year. ERA is 2.12. He's got a 107 strikeouts and 72 innings. And, you know, he's more of a, you know, it's not a power lefty. He's more of a, a strikes with four pitches guy. And his best offerings, he's, he's got a, a mid-70s curveball, mid-80s kind of slider cutter, whatever you want to call it, and, and really pitches off those those breaking pitches very well and keeps guys off balance. So it's I, I think, you know, he probably, as an SEC performer, you know, his stuff is not nearly as big as Mikulski's, but I, I think he goes in the second round just because he's been such a good SEC performer basically his whole career. All right, my next guy is in the same boat as that in terms of that he's still pitching. Uh, it's Andrew Abbott from Virginia, another guy who was eligible for last year's draft. You know, it's, it's been a guy who it's sort of interesting over, over the course of his time, mostly out of the bullpen for Virginia. People have talked about, well, you know, maybe he's got a chance to start. And there were, I remember last year there was even talk that maybe they'd put him in the rotation. It didn't happen. Maybe he would have gotten stretched out and gotten there if the season hadn't been shut down. So he wasn't drafted. He went back to Virginia, and he's been really good uh, as a starter. You know, he's not huge. He's only six foot tall. That doesn't bother scouts as much when we're talking about guys from from the left side. And it's a good combination uh, of stuff and makeup. He's you know up to ninety five. You were mentioning how Jack Leiter misses bats with his fastball. He does, he does so too in the zone because there's some cutting action and there's some deception with his delivery. He misses a lot of bats with his his breaking ball. Uh, he can add and subtract to it. He's got a change up, but he doesn't use it as much when he's been a, a reliever. Uh, he's used it more this year and it's gotten better. Uh, he repeats his delivery. Uh, I think he's going to throw more strikes. Again, this is a guy I think you give him a chance to start. But you also know that he loves to compete and the stuff really, really works out of the pen. And he probably would move very quickly if, if you know, if you need to. Uh, the walk rate has come down very nicely compared to last year and in 2019, you know, more along the lines of when he, you know, his first year at Virginia. So uh, another one of those guys who, you know, maybe you give him a year to start and then you can shorten him up and, and get him to the big leagues in a hurry. Last two are yours. Yeah, and I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself when I talk about uh, Christian McLeod at Mississippi State. He's a, another SEC-based Mississippi left-hander, although at Mississippi State, his best pitch, Jonathan, is his breaking ball, just like with Doug Nikhazy. Uh He gets a lot of strikeouts with it, 90 strikeouts in 66 innings, 3.14 ERA right now. Um, and, and he's got a downer curveball, really plays well off his fastball which usually sits around, you know, 87 to 93, but he commands it well. He, he throws it, you know, tunnels well with his curve. It's got good riding life. So, so it really plays well. And then my, the last lefty, the last of our five guys is Joe Rock at Ohio. Who's interesting because he didn't pitch at all last year during the spring. He was academically ineligible, but then he started in summer ball near you in Pittsburgh, had a really good fall practice, drew a lot of scouts. And I think he's going to pass former big leaguer Dave Tobik, one of your childhood heroes, Jonathan, yes. uh, who's a third round pick in 1974 and become the highest drafted pitcher in Bobcats history. Um, threw a no-hitter in his second start this year. Um, he's eight strikeouts away from the school record. He's got 110 and 82 and two-thirds innings right now, 2-2-9 ERA. And he's low 90s up to 96. 
He's got a hybrid breaking ball that combines slider velocity with curveball depth. And, you know, it was, it, you know, we had guys who kind of popped up last summer and in fall practice who didn't necessarily keep the momentum going, but Joe Rock has. And I think he's going to go late second, early third round. And, you know, and, you know, I haven't, I will admit, I've not checked the Bobcats schedule um, to see, you know, <laughs> how many more starts he has left. But, you know, if he finishes strong, maybe he, he pushes himself up a little bit too. Yeah, as a, as college lefties, you know, college arms do tend to do that if if they do well. And it's funny, just a quick note on Rocky. He 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 pitched in a summer league here that typically does not have you know quite that caliber of talent. But there were a lot of uh, Division One guys there just because there weren't as many places to play. And before even our our top one hundred in December came out, someone mentioned to me is actually a kid who's a you know, a, a, a minor league catcher who was you know doing some sort of bird dog scouting and coaching there was talking him up to me. And then I went and looked to see at our list. I'm like, Oh, okay. Jim's got it covered as I knew you would. But I was like, you know, it's nice to know that this, uh, this cat, this minor league catcher turn coach slash part-time scout, liked what he saw and knew what he was talking about. And one thing I need to add on Joe Rock, I, I, I forgot as I was saying all that, the MAC, Ohio is part of the Mid-American Conference, is not playing a baseball tournament. So he has one more start. They, they have one weekend left of the regular season against Western Michigan. Um, but Ohio is 18 and 18 in conference, so they will not be playing in the postseason. So he has one start this weekend, and, and that'll be it. So he will he will not get the opportunity to necessarily, you know, have a, a, a you know, three-start surge and, and push his way up, but I would assume that last outing will be pretty well attended. I think that's probably fair to say. Let's turn our attention a little bit to goings-on in the minor leagues. There's a lot of exciting things happening. Let's start uh, with our, our usual update, the new guy on the top 100. I was excited that we were adding Jordan Adams of the Los Angeles Angels to the top 100. He was just added recently. Uh, unfortunately, he's been out of action for a while, was off to a good start in his first three games in high A ball. Those of you who don't remember, Adams is the first rounder of the Angels back in 2018. Two-sport guy who could have played football uh, at the University of North Carolina, where his dad was coaching, but wanted to to play baseball, really jumped on the map at the National High School Invitational when his local high school in North Carolina played and, and stood out. He had a very good tournament there. Uh, tremendous amount of ceiling, obviously a premium athlete with uh, top of the scale speed. The, a couple of things have happened that have made him go from just like an interesting athlete uh, to a guy who is now in the top 100. One is that his field of hit has actually been better uh, since he entered pro ball, then I think a lot of people expected decent approach, you know, to 350 on base in 2019 uh, during his his first full season. He's continued to get become a better base runner using his, his speed. Uh, he's added strength. Now, this is mostly sort of anecdotal, but, you know, in the alternate site last year instructs spring training this year, uh, the power has started to show up more. And the other thing is that his 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 up the middle defense. He's playing center field, and this he's gone from a guy who just used his speed to outrun mistakes to being a premium premium defender in in center field. Obviously, the Angels you know have Mike Trout in the big leagues. Uh, they've got Brandon Marsh in, in the minor leagues. You know, so there's there's a lot of guys like that. But you know, th- he's a couple rungs down. But just added, uh, and I think there's a tremendous ceiling. 
uh, for for Adams that if he can continue on this trajectory, this is a guy who's going to keep uh, moving his way up the charts. Yeah, we just need to get him some at bats. You know, be, again because of the pandemic, you know, obviously cost everybody last season. It, it, it's still, I mean, I understand why, but it's strange to look at a guy who was drafted in 2018. And he has 535 pro at bats to his credit at this point. So I, he's he's one of I, I say this to probably about a thousand guys talking on the podcast or the scouts or farm directors, whoever. I'm just very curious to see how he does this year. You know, with a full season of at bats. I mean, we saw it in 2019. You know, he was in the Midwest League, which is a, a, not a hospitable hitting environment, and he played pretty well. And eager to see what he does this year. So hopefully, he gets back on the field soon and uh, and can get going with that. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of getting going, no one is going better than Taylor Trammell right now. I mean, uh, sometimes guys get sent down and they sulk a little bit. Sometimes guys get sent down and they, as he put it himself, has a little chip on his shoulder. You know, whether he feels that he wasn't given enough time in the big leagues, whether he wants to prove that he belongs back up there, whatever it is, this is a guy who, since he's been down, has been absolutely insane. Case in point, Last, he's, you know, he's been in our prospect team of the week two weeks in a row. He hit 460 last week, and his average went down because he hit 611 the week before. Um, he's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball out of the ballpark. It's just been fun to see. He's, he's a long been a, a favorite of ours just in terms of the personality and, and, and the talking and interviewing skills. Uh, but uh, I'm curious how long before he just forces his way back up so he can play alongside Jared Kelnick in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think his first five games in AAA, he went 14 for 22 with four homers. And, you know, I, I would think not before too long. I mean, look, I mean, he struck out 41 times in 83 at-bats. He, he wasn't hitting. He needed to reset. But, you know, the, the Mariners need to find out at some point, you know, is Taylor Trammell a big part of their future? You know, and it's it's going to be interesting because they've got Kelnick. They've got Kyle Lewis, the reigning rookie of the year. They've got Mitch Hanniger, who probably winds up becoming an attractive piece of trade bait. Mm-hmm. But for now, is their best player. And they have Julio Rodriguez coming. So that's already four outfielders right there. Like, like I, I think we'll see Taylor before too long, Jonathan, because I, I feel like the Mariners need to give him – like he needs to get a, a good deal of at bats before Julio Rodriguez is ready. Like like if Julio Rodriguez and let's just say Julio Rodriguez, he's young, he's turning up high A, but let's say he's ready twenty twenty two. You need to get Tramel some at bats this year because you don't want to just have it be okay next year. We have Kelnick, Lewis, and and Julio Rodriguez are our outfielders, and Tramel's blocked. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be back up. You know, I would think sometime in the next couple of weeks if he keeps hitting like this. Yeah, and if he keeps hitting, then they can, you know, if they want to uh, pump the brakes with with Julio Rodriguez like they did by sending him to high A, I think that gives him a little extra time uh, and and things like that. Uh, I know there are some other guys who have been off to quick starts, you know, tip of the cap to Taylor Trammell. I know, Jim, you wanted to highlight a couple guys in the Royal system real quick. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan, there were a couple of Royals who really interested me. I used to do the top 30s prospect list, and when I did, catcher MJ Melendez and first baseman Nick Prado were two of their best prospects. And But when we last saw them in 2019, they, they really, really struggled badly in high class A. 
They're off to good starts in double A. Melendez is leading the double A Central League with six homers. You know, and, and he's really a defensive minded guy. So if he hits, I mean, you really could have something there. And then Prado is a guy who was a first-round pick. I always thought he was going to hit Jonathan. I was kind of surprised by the struggles. I don't know if he was trying to sell out for power a little too much. But he, he's you know making more contact. He's showing more patience at the plate. You know, Maybe this is his breakout year. But for an organization that's had a lot of success developing you know, college pitching, you know, having these guys develop to, to add to the lineup is going to help them get back on the road to contention. So very curious to see how these guys keep it going. But the Royals have to be really enthused with the way Melendez and Prado have, be- have begun the season. Absolutely. It was uh, exciting to see both of them. I remember seeing uh, Nick Prado at various USA baseball events uh, way back when. Pretty good left-handed pitcher, too, back back in his day. We're going to finish things up with one more topic that will take us right into uh, our mailbag, uh, and that, of course, is the Wander Watch. We need, like, some sound effects for that, I think, right? Sure. You could you could do them yourself, like the guy from the police academy. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Could you could you do you could do your own sound effects? Right. So it'll be something like, and now it's time to take a look at the Wonder Watch. Don't don't. I need like like the Law and Order. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Everyone saw the the Tampa Bay Rays. They traded Willie Adamas to the Milwaukee Brewers, and then uh, at least the Twitterverse went absolutely ballistically nutso with some version of, oh my God, is Wander Franco coming up? And then when it was announced that Wander Franco was not coming up, it was as if some sort of crimes against humanity had transpired by the Tampa Bay Rays front office. So let's have everyone take a deep breath. I, for one, was not overly shocked by Wander Franco not being called up just yet. Um, you know, we've gotten the sense all along that Taylor Walls would be kind of the first guy to, to get called up. So first, Jim, your reaction to everyone else's reaction and then your reaction to the, to the non call up. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sort of hit this, uh, mailbag question to close things out. Yeah, I just don't think people knew who Taylor Walls is or was. And he's one of the best defensive players, defensive prospects in the minors. So I, I wasn't really surprised like you weren't because if, you, if you're looking for defense at shortstop, you know, I think Franco is a average to solid shortstop and, and Walls is a well above average shortstop. So I, I, I kind of, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, my initial reaction was like, oh, I wonder if Wander's coming up. And then when it was Walls, like, oh, that makes sense. And I will credit, did, did Adam Barry write our non-top 100 Tampa, Ray, Tampa Bay Rays blurbs, Jonathan? Yes, he did. Well, in there, in the Taylor Walls scouting report, there's a line, and I will quote directly, while Wander Franco is unquestionably baseball's best prospect, Many believe entering 2021 that Walls, the Rays defensive player of the year in 2018 and 19, was their next best MLB ready option at shortstop if Lily Adamas were traded or unable to play. So if you read MLB Pipeline, you would have been prepared for the Taylor Walls call up. Not yeah. you specifically, but the general you. The, the yes, I, no, I, I understand you I weren't, you read you weren't attacking me there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you being being precise with your context. All right, that brings us into our mailbag question, and that comes from. Frequent contributor to our weekly uh, pipeline inbox, Stephen D'Alessio at Stevie Dales 97. 
He asks if Taylor Walls is still on the raise by the time Wander Franco gets called up. Does he will Will still be a shortstop or do you see him playing another position like second base? So I'll answer first, just based on what you were saying. I mean, to me, I think uh, it's been interesting because in Durham, Wander has been getting a bulk of the time at short, but he's also been seeing time at second. I think if Taylor Walls is up and he's performing well, I I think they leave Walls at short and move Franco to, to second base, uh, especially if they can continue to get him uh, more reps there. Now, I guess the flip argument would be, well, you want your best prospect to be in the, his most comfortable position. I don't think he'd have any trouble playing second base uh, at the major league level. Uh, he might even be a, an above average defender there. Uh, but for me, if I'm filling out the lineup card when that happens, I've got Walls at short and I've got Franco at second. Jim? I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, if Walls hits halfway decently at the plate, I think his glove keeps him in shortstop and you've got your best defensive team that way. Um, I, you, they're also they're giving Franco time at second and third base. It's not going to be like a Greg Jeffries situation from way back when where you throw the guy in the big leagues and ask him to learn a new position on the fly. Although I always think about the Red Sox did that was Andrew Bogart's at third base when Will Middlebrooks was slumping in the 2013 postseason, even though he barely played third, Bogarts wound up contributing to World Series championship. So I, I agree with you. And I think there's time here to give him more time at second and third base because Brandon Lau is playing well at second. Uh, Joey Wendell's playing well at third. So you don't really need – there's no reason to take either of them out of the lineup. It's just going to be fascinating to me to watch this, Jonathan, because Vidal Brujan is actually – who plays a lot of the same positions Franco does, is having an even better year and is also one of baseball's best prospects. Um, and he's in AAA. And so, like, at some point you may want to try to put him in there. I, I, I think eventually they're going to make room for one of these guys – by putting Lau in the outfield, you know, although, I mean, the guy who I guess you, you would pull out of the outfield would probably be, you know, Kiermaier is a good defender, you know, maybe Manuel Martin go becomes a platoon guy. It, it's tough. Yeah. That's where it gets tough. Right. Cause your, your first thought, you know, Vidal Bruhan has been playing a lot of outfield. Um, and that's something under Franco can't do. I mean, Bruhan can play center field, but now you're running into the same personnel crunch in terms of, well, where, where do you, put these guys i mean francisco mejia has been playing while getting outfield time too right right so i mean it's a good problem for the Rays to have if they want to make trades later on they can either you know trading away uh, a guy like vidal brujan uh you know or uh, to bring in guys or creating space for one of these guys and we'll have to wait and see and you know i'll leave it with this the one thing we all love wander franco that's why he's our number one prospect you know we've 80 hit tool all the things you know but he's before this year, he'd not played a single competitive game above a ball, you know, and he just turned 20 in March. Like, so let's, yeah, everyone's excited to see him. Could he handle himself at the big league level offensively? Quite possibly. But you know what? He's doing fine in AAA. He's not setting the world on fire. Like, let him get his feet under him a little more. Give him a few months, you know, before you start lighting torches and storming Tropicana field uh, in outrage, right? It's just everyone relax a little bit. He's going to get there, and it's going to happen at some point this year. Put the torches away. And I need to correct myself real quick, Jonathan. Mejia has played outfield in the past. He's only playing catcher this year. But, I mean, you know, I mean, their bench they could. Could all, 
all guys have contributed too. So it's, it's going to be interesting because it's the old, you're not going to call either Franco or Bruhan up to have them play three times a week that, that wouldn't help their development. So it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how the, how the Rays handle this because both those guys are going to be ready. I think they could both contribute now and you know, they're going to be ready when you have an opening. I just don't know when that opening is going to come unless they pull the plug on Kevin Kiermeyer in center. Who's not hitting, but he's such a good defender. You know, I don't know if they want to make that move. So it, it'll be fascinating to watch how they, how this plays out. And we will continue to be very vigilant with our wonder watch. Jump, jump. All right. That's this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, please leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.